Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa, out on Long Island. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry about that. We got a good show today. We're going to do a little early early season review, and it, in my opinion, it's not so early. We've hit the eighth pole uh, here on the front stretch, if you will, and we're going to do a deep dive into the Vegas Golden Knights and see where their struggles are coming from and if they have a chance to right the ship. And then we're going to go around the league. We're going to play a little rising falling, uh, look at some of the teams that are exceeding expectations, some of the teams that haven't quite lived up to expectations, which I suspect we'll touch on in the first segment with the Vegas lane. And uh, then we'll go into the OT a little bit and we'll look at some of the trades that may be upcoming, who's buying, who's selling and what to look for later on in the season. So let me welcome in Chris. Good day to you, sir. Uh, good day to you, sir. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, so, we might as well jump into, uh, you know, the Vegas lane. And, you know, they had a nice win, uh, I guess it was, what, last Saturday or last Sunday at home against Ottawa. Came from a 2-0 hole back to, to win an OT. Uh, and, obviously, this week wasn't going to be easy. Two tough road games, uh, Nashville and St. Louis, although even though St. Louis is not over to the greatest of starts, um, my thinking was, okay, let's get a split here. They had gotten back to 500 uh, with the win over Ottawa, so they can get a split. Fortunately for them, uh, they lose both games on the road, so now they're back back in the hole, if you will, two games under 500, which makes tonight's game at home versus Carolina, I mean, I guess as much of a must-win at the one-eighth pole as one can be, not that Carolina's in an easy team to beat. Obviously, they're, they've been very competitive this year. But we talked about it. After tonight, they go back on the road, and I think they they have that four-game trip uh, where they go to Toronto, Montreal, Boston. Um, uh, so that's not yeah, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and Boston. So that starts on Tuesday and then ends next Sunday. So basically, yep. and they they have four games in six days. So, you know, if they were to lose tonight in regulation, for let's say, that would put them three games under, heading on that trip. And obviously, they're, you know, they got some they got some hard cowboys right now. And you know, you don't, you can't, you can't. The one thing about following the NHL these last number of years, you can't win anything the first couple of months of the season. But boy, you can really put yourself in a hole where it's going to be a tough uphill climb uh, to be in a position just to make the playoffs. So there's a lot of reasons for that. So uh, a little little concerning time, that's how I would put it. Big game tonight. They had a big game last time against Ottawa, and they came through. Granted, yep. you probably would have liked to see a full one victory versus uh, the dramatic victory, but um, you know, we'll see. And, you know, Carolina's been, been pretty good, so – not going to be easy. No, it isn't. And I, look, I was talking with my buddy at the start of the season, and I kind of put a benchmark on it. Uh, if they could get a point a game for the first 20 games while Patrick, or Nate Schmidt was out and look at that as treading water, basically that's saying that you're going to be 500 over those first 20 games then with Nate Schmidt back, and that's assuming a, a healthy squad, which they haven't had. And 
continuity in the forward core, which they haven't had. Um, at that point, you would be heading into December where you have the majority of games at home and then January with the majority of games at home. And then if you could go, let's say, 60 to 70% of points by the time you get to February, which is almost all home games, they have four road games and eight eight home games, four road games in February. Okay. Um, then if you could play those two months, three months at a 65, 70% clip, then when you head into March, where you still have a home-dominated schedule because of this ridiculous schedule they have to play early in the season, then they they have a chance to make the playoffs. As I kind of said that um, at the start of the season with the guys at work. So they have, I want to say, 11 points right now, and they're going into their 13th game. So if they do win tonight, they're right on pace for that 20 points. Um, yeah, 11 points. Win tonight, you're in game 13. You got 13 points. You're right on pace for that 20 points. Um, the other thing that uh, that I see as the problem with the Golden Knights early in the season is the, obviously the first line and the fourth line have been holding their own, let's say. But with the the defense has three guys in in Holden, Merrill, and Hunt that did not play together significantly or even all, at all last year, um, and you have your two middle six, your middle six, your two two and three lines, where you've been bringing Lindbergh in or playing Heek on the second line, and Hall and Tuck while they did pair up at times last year, it wasn't the consistent only with, with you know, injuries to Perron or what have you. Um, when, when those two lines are on the ice, the only pe- the only people with any continuity on the second and third lines are Carpenter and Eakin. Um, that was pretty much a mainstay last season. So you've got four guys that haven't been playing together with, you know, three defensemen that haven't been playing together. And I think where that's really coming into play is in the night's own end when you don't have that, chemistry between your defense group and your forward core on your breakouts um, where you know that this guy is going to be there and he's a right-handed shot. So you got to put the stick on this side of his body, or you got to put the puck on that side of his body when you're breaking out and passes just aren't connecting so they can start their, their transition transition game, which is still a strength of the team. Um, But I, I, you know, watching St. Louis, and we had uh, Gabriel Foley on a couple weeks ago about the chemistry problems that they were having due to lineup changes. I think the Knights are suffering through the same kind of thing. Um, they're they're really not that far away. I was looking, and the last I looked, they were, let me see, horrible on the power play. Obviously, that needs to get better. They were at a, like a 6% clip. But they're they're above middle of the pack on the penalty kill. Um, leading the league in shots against per game at 24 and a half tied with Carolina, oddly enough tonight, bet the under, <laughs> um, they were leading the league in hits, which you, you, you know, you wouldn't think, but that fourth line has been outstanding so far. Um, they got to figure out a way to put some of their chances in the net. They, they, they were 
leading the league or top three in, in shots. And they're, they're, you know, regularly getting 40 shots a game. Um, it's just, I think there's chemistry issues that are, that are ho- holding them back from, from, and then lapses in the defensive end. Um, the, and, and the three or four mistakes that they're making each game, uh, the other teams are bearing down on their chances, putting the puck in the net and the Knights still generating a lot of offense, but not finishing. And I think if they can just bear down and, and have a game where they get five, six goals, we haven't seen that yet this year. I think a lot of the pressure will come off and, and some of the, the belief will come back. And I think they'll be okay. But like like you said, Chris, this is last Saturday. I said Ottawa was a much must win game going into the the road the little mini road trip um, tonight. Pretty much the same situation as as last Saturday against Ottawa. Um, they're going to have to have a big effort tonight. And if they get the win, oh, the, you got to do something on this four gamer. You can't hit that. You know, Nate Schmidt will be back in seven games counting tonight. Um, You've already dug yourself a hole. It's fortunate that the rest of the Pacific Division isn't pulling away at this time. Um, there's, you know, the only team below them is LA, and we'll get to them in a little bit. Um, yeah, I think. But what jumps out they're only what it, right what now, you, real quick, real yeah. quick. They're only they're only four points out of third place in the division. Um, if they were in the Central or the Atlantic, then, then maybe you, you start hitting the panic button a little bit. But if they could string together a couple wins, you know, win tonight, even one or two on the road trip, and then home and then Nate Schmidt comes back and get to that 20-point plateau before Nate Schmidt comes back, um, I think they can start to put together a little run. And, and a quick note from this morning, Pacioretty skated in a, in a full-contact jersey. Um, I, he stayed on the ice after practice, thanks to uh, Jesse Granger, local media guy here, reporting that on Twitter. Um, so Pacioretty is skating full contact. Don't look for him to play tonight, but uh, look for him to rejoin the team on the road trip. And then you can put him in place, and hopefully that's going to be the second line with Patches, Holla and Tuck that that grabs that second line role and and starts to contribute some of that secondary scoring. Yeah, I think what you know really kind of jumps out when you look back, go back a year ago and in a nutshell, how what defines the Knights' success was they drew four forward lines and three defensive lines out out at you, rotating every them, night and yep. every night, and they all produced you know quality. And they and I give you know you when you can do that uh, you, you know in terms of some greater than the whole of the parts the whole nine yards and right now that's not happening like you said there there's uh, some inconsistencies due to injury due to new faces uh, all those things so you know and, and at the end of the day that's why you know instead of winning three two or four two they're losing three two or four two um, so it's it's not you know, it's not surprising given that and given the other factors, the injuries, the scheduling, uh, so forth. And then this goes to this kind of the next point is when you look at the statistics, the individual player statistics, you know, you know, after Marcus and Carlson, not a lot of scoring going on from the rest of the team. 
And that's very, you know, it's hard to win hockey games uh, without getting secondary scoring. And so that that has to change. I mean, Carlson and Marks or so's numbers aren't bad. They're fine. Um, but everybody else has got to chip in, you know. I mean, one night it could be these three guys, and the next night it could be these three guys, that kind of thing. No one's asking, uh, you know, uh, Eric Hollow to be a 40-goal scorer or anything like that. But, you know, that trend uh, – uh, definitely has to has to change, and you mentioned the power play before. So obviously, in these close uh, games, you, you get those kind of opportunities. You know, you got to cash in. So, you know, again, you know, when you look at, and then we'll get into this when we go over some of the teams' good surprises. You know, it's a lot of times it's a lot of little things when when you're defining like, well, why is this team doing so well? Well, why is this team not doing so well? It's you, more times than not, it's a lot of little things, and then they add up, and that's why that's the difference between those teams winning hockey games versus losing hockey games. And that's what's happening now. Like I said, the schedule has not been easy. It's probably been one of the, my estimations, tougher schedules. Um, going back east again, four games in six days, it's not going to be easy, um, uh, you know, which also means you're going to see Malcolm Subban in the Nets, at least for one of them. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, nothing fancy. I mean, look, if they can win tonight against Carolina and go 2-2 two and two on the road trip or whatever, four points on the road trip, whatever NHL math you want to get to, <laughs> you know, one win, one loss, two overtime losses or shootout losses, whatever, it's still a point. Yeah. Um, and, again, you're, you've brought up a great point. I think they are fortunate uh, that the whole division – no one's running really away with it. No one, you know, some teams have uh, been playing a little bit better than expected, some a little bit worse. The Kings are kind of the outliner there. A lot a bit worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's – yeah, we'll get to them. So, um, yeah, so that's – I think that's where they're at. And it's got to – you know, it's got to start tonight. I'd say, uh, I've seen this Carolina team a couple times now because the Islanders have played them uh, twice already this uh, the first month of the season, and they're pretty good. I mean, they're uh, not shabby. They, they're not shabby. I know their record is like one game over five hundred, but um, they're pretty good. They they got some young talent. They got some established talent. They got depth. Um, Goaltending's have been been a bit better this year. They're pretty good. So they, this is not a game where you could just you know roll out the sticks, if you will. Um, no, but, the other uh, thing, yeah, they got to get that. Got to get better on secondary scoring. About that secondary scoring, I was just going to say, there's 11 guys that have played um, for the Knights this year that have zero goals. Um, wow. Ryan Reeves tied for yeah, second like... with three. <laughs> that's not a that's not a a, a recipe for success, sir. Um, and also, there's yeah. only been one goal from the defense. And last year, one of their strengths was was defensive scoring. Colin Miller, um, notably hitting the crossbar on a couple shots in the last couple games. The the one for sure it was. I want to say it was two one in Nashville, and Colin Miller was in the high slot and and hit a, put a slap shot on net and not on net on crossbar and that would have made the made it a 2-2 hockey game and then it, obviously it's a different game but they go they go down 
right after that within a minute or two and score to go 3-1. So you go from a 2-2 game to a 3-1 game just like that. Um, that that's that's how, I, in, in my eyes, that's how close the team is to being successful is a crossbar here, uh, a puck hopping over your stick in, in, in the crease there. Uh, is that they are creating scoring chances. They're creating high shot volume. Um, it, it, it's, it might just be a matter of bearing down and, and bullying the puck into the net rather than trying to pass it into the net, if you know what I mean. Well, an interesting point, too. We have this on the, the outline here. But I just thought of it, and uh, like you were saying, two things, right? Getting better, getting more contributions uh, on the defense in terms of 200-foot game and specifically offensively and secondary scoring. Well, you know, Eric Branstrom, small sample size. Uh-huh. But in the NHL with, with Chicago, two goals, eight points in eight games. And I'm just saying, like, you know, he had a good camp. I mean, yep. maybe one of the last cuts. Uh, is it possible that before the month is out, we could see Brandstrom uh, getting a chance uh, with the Knights? And it could check off a lot of boxes that uh, they're not really checking off right now. I think so. I'd like to see him in the lineup tonight myself. Uh, hashtag Brandwagon, hop on board. Um, I think I'd, I'd rather see him in the lineup. Um, I think Merrill's out and Hunt is starting tonight. Um, he might be one injury away uh, to the to the current group, and and you got to be thinking about it anyway. If you're Vegas, your defense isn't isn't doing what we needed to do at this point in time. So if you're looking for a change, he's right there, uh, waiver exempt. You could bring him up and throw him in anytime you want. Um, I, I would think tonight would have been a good night actually to bring, to bring him up. It's a home game. He's, he's been here. He's played in the team mobile, um, comfortable surroundings to, to bring him up and throw him in in Montreal or Toronto. Um, maybe he gets the nerves and the jitters a little bit there, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. The only thing with that is he's more of an, obviously offensive defenseman, which would help with the secondary scoring, but does it come with a price in your own end? That that would be the one thing that I would be concerned about, but in, I know it's preseason, and also where he kind of, he kind of showed he that, that, that he's pretty good positionally. Yeah. Where, I mean, the big key to me is where is he at in his development? If they feel like he needs, he needs a half a season in the AHL, um, you know that that's a big key as well. They don't want to. They want that development uh, to progress to, pro- to progress well. And so when he does get pulled up, he's up for good. So I mean, I can't. I don't know if that's questions. necessary. If you yeah, wait a half a I, I mean, season, this season on the NHL level is going to be gone. Well, right. Right. <laughs> well, but I mean, well, it, whether or not if he's ready, though, I mean, no point of bringing him up if they feel like well. He's going to struggle because he still needs to work on this. He still needs to work on that. Um, if not, then, yeah, I would think over the John Merrills and the Brad Hunts of the world, uh, if if they feel like, you know, he could be ready, then I, I think he should be up here. So, you know, we'll see. It all starts tonight at T-Mobile with Carolina. So why don't we um, jump around the league a bit? We'll do good surprises, bad surprises. Let's 
let's go with the good. All right? Let's do open with everything going on in the world today. Let's, well, let, let me, so let's start with the let good. Let me ask you okay. let me ask you something. I don't know if we uh uh-huh. if we slipped into the, the fourth dimension during the week or uh, let me let me let me ask you this. Was there nine goals? Scored by the New York Islanders against Pittsburgh in back-to-back home-and-home wins against the Sidney Crosby-led Penguins team. Did we see that? I think what's more amazing in that dimension was they only gave up five. Yeah. So, or was that, was mean, that a Bigfoot sighting in Manhattan? Year, is that a Bigfoot I mean, sighting in Manhattan? <laughs> I mean, you know, let's, let's, why don't we start with them? Because to me, and trying to be impartial about it, uh, I think they are probably one of the biggest surprises uh, so far in the league. I mean, for seven, sure. four, and two. Uh, fifth, it's early, but seven, four, and two, 15 points, tied with Pittsburgh for first place. Um, impressive about that seven, four, and two is, I've said this before, but real quick, uh, their schedule for the first, talking about Vegas' schedule has been brutal. Um, eight of their 12 uh, – a seven four and one, excuse me. Eight of their twelve um games have been on the road. Okay. Of their twelve games, six of them have been against Pittsburgh, San Jose, and Nashville. They have done the California road trip already. Um so um you add all that up, that's that's a that's a plus, you know, as as amazing as it is to have trots here you know, really putting into play uh, the players learning his system under that scenario. But at the end of the day, I mean, and it's not like they're playing way over their heads or, you know, this. Well, how is this possible? Or, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're playing a lot better defensively. I mean, look, you talked about this, right? Defensive-minded coach, his teams are going to play good defense. They're going to yep. be strong on the special teams. Okay, yep. and they're going to do the little things to win. Their structure is much improved. Uh, yeah, and that's and that is what's happening. Um, you know, and they're on a nice streak. They've won four in a row. They host the Devils tonight. Uh, they had, I, I mean, any hockey fan, if they caught just the end of that Pittsburgh game the other night when Thomas Rice poke-checked Cindy Crosby on the breakaway, I don't know if you got a chance to see that, uh, in the overtime, uh, it was just really tremendous uh, hockey, uh, that game. So, and, you know, their young guns have yet to really, not that they're doing bad. I mean, I think Barzell leads the team in points, but I think it only has one goal. But they they have depth. They really do. So, again, what I was just saying before about the Knights in terms of the differences between winning and losing and all those little things adding up, the Islanders are the converse of what we were just talking about before with the Knights. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a nice story and a nice surprise for the fans out here. Obviously, it was not an easy off season with losing Tavares, but uh, people have been pleasantly surprised, and they've been they've been fun to watch. So, and Trotz is holding everyone accountable. Real quick, last about a week and a half ago, they blew a game at home against Florida. They lost in overtime. Uh, they were up two nothing. And word on the street was trots, not in a total jerky way, but in a total reminder way. He didn't let them forget about that until uh, for the next few days between 
before their next game. And, you know, lo and behold, since blowing that game, they've won four in a row. Coincidence? I don't think so. No. But, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll say, like I said, you know, but they still have to do all those things to continue success. The penalty kill, which was a sieve last year, is middle of the pack, which may not seem overly impressive. But when you go from 31st in the league by a country mile to middle huh. of the pack, that's, that's a lot of progress. And believe it or not, again, not only were the Islanders last year the worst team in the league in terms of goals against, they were the wor- their numbers were one of the worst in terms of goals against last year. You had to go back almost 10 years in the league. So this year, they're, four, they're fourth. And it's the same defense, and it's same, you know basically the same goaltenders. I mean, Leonard's in for uh, for Hot Lock, but it's not like they have for Bosky about back there or anything like that. Buying in, and and again, like you mentioned when we had Arthur Staple on, who covers the Islanders for the Athletic. I mean, people are going to buy into Trotz. He's a proven winner. Yeah, that was that was one of the things that I liked about the Trotz. Um, coming over to the Islanders, especially after, like you said, losing the offseason. I think Trotz and Lamarillo are going to work very well together. I think they both see the game the same way um, with with so much of the, the league um, going towards the offensive speed, skill, rush, uh, fast break hockey, if you will. They still see it where it's a game to be won with structure. And with, with losing losing Tavares and the other guys that had to leave and – and being able to bring in a Stanley cup champion coach who is going to command instant respect in that locker room, which I mean, it is a young locker room, Chris, with the Islanders. Um, You have some leaders. I think it was a good choice on captain, but for the most part, if you have, if you have that young of a team, look, Washington plays offensive hockey. There wasn't, (laughs) there wasn't a lack of structure with the Washington capitals. Um, but at at the at the same time, they're able to play with speed, play with skill, and and like we see teams like Dallas and Vegas this year, um, they're sacrificing defense for that offense. And I think the one thing I think for Islanders fans that to look at this team, I mean, on the four game four game win streak, um, they give up one goal to Philly, one goal to Carolina, two three goals to Pittsburgh two goals to Pittsburgh. Um, before that, there was a loss, three goals, and then two goals, zero goals. They had a loss, four goals, win, one goal. So they're, they're not sacrificing that defensive structure at, at the, you know, in order to accent the offensive part of the game. And, and I think that is sustainable. The goaltending, whatever, maybe they're playing a little bit above their head right now in the net. Uh, like you said, it's the same guys on defense playing in a different system. And, and I think that is probably the bit, the most important change for the Islanders this year. I agree. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, get. And, and if anything, they should be each game that goes by, they should be more and more comfortable in Trox's system, which they've talked about. And it's not so much they're not comfortable but you're trying to take in and you're like, okay, what do I do here? So sometimes there might be a slight hesitancy. And that is right. obviously with each game that, that's kind of gone down more and more so. And, uh, you know, from that standpoint, uh, not a surprise that they're starting to hit a little bit of more of a stride. 
Uh, one, one, more pain, one, one, yeah, more point I'll make, one more point I'll make on the Islanders, too, and we've seen this recently, and I'll use Matt Duchesne in Colorado as an example. It took him so long to move Duchesne. Then the the year before it was done, they had 40-something points, and it was, it was a huge distraction. And and once the that oh, Joe Sackick took care of that, what happened? They're a playoff team. And we know this has been hanging. And, and you know, kudos, I think, more so to the Islanders than Colorado. They didn't allow it to become quite as big a, a, of a distraction publicly as Colorado right. like Duchesne thing. Um, it still was a distraction. And yep. sometimes that sometimes when you go through that with your superstar, um, when it's finally said and done, one way or the other, there's just a sigh of relief. This is who we are, this is how we can go forward now. And and it, it's almost you know, you know, I'm not saying that the Islanders are a better team without John Tavares. I'm saying that the Islanders are a better team without the John Tavares distraction. And the no, people that are on the point. yeah, and the people that are on the roster know they're on the roster, and the, and we're going to focus on who's here. We have the new coach, we have the new general manager, and this is who we are now. And you can just relax and play hockey. And I think there's a little bit of that in New York too. Uh, that's an excellent point. Uh, you know, I didn't even think about that. Nice. And you know, to, to piggyback on that point, I remember Russ Cohen uh, being talking to him. I think it was on the show early last year, and he was worried about it. He thought that was going to be a big effect on the team last year in terms of not knowing if he was going to stay or go, but have yeah. an impact on uh, on them last year. As to, so uh, I know uh, he, he's definitely in the same mindset. Um, in terms of uh, Arizona, you know, we told we had Craig Morgan's on right first week of the season, also at the Athletic, covers the Coyotes. And we were both kind of the same camp of, you know, it's early in the year. Let's not get too crazy with a lot of teams. But Arizona was like one of those teams that needed to get off to a good start with all their kind of young players, something to prove, show that the last two months of the season last year where they played really well was not a mirage, just kind of, you know, no pressure playing out the string. And right. the season started out so poorly for them. Not that they were getting blown out or anything, but they literally, literally could not score. <laughs> and uh, so they were losing 2 nothing, 3-1. I mean, they could not score. And now you're like, oh, boy, here we go again with Arizona. You know, they got off to a horrific start uh, last year, more, much more so. But, you know, all of a sudden, last two weeks, they've won five in a row. I mean, again, secondary scoring is still a, an issue. You like to see, you know, the, those young guys in Perlin and Fisher – and Strom and Kraus to develop a little bit more in terms of chipping in more with secondary scoring, but they're young guys got to stay patient. But they, you know, they blew out Tampa, and that might have been from uh, a little that hangover been, from, from the Vegas yeah, game. Yeah, that could have hey, been the Vegas. I don't care. <laughs> I, hey, but who cares? They blew them out. They've won yeah, five they in a row. They 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 lead the league in uh, goals against in terms of uh, average, in terms of uh, goals goals allowed, I should say, uh, per game. Uh, they're getting great goaltending with Kemper and number one, Ranta. Uh, you know, it would be nice to see them continue. Obviously, you can't, you know, win every game. But over the between now and Thanksgiving, you know, put together a nice stretch. So, you know, go from two games over 500 
So when you look at the standings come Thanksgiving, there's six or seven games over 500. Yeah, I think with with Arizona, and I'm not sure how they flipped the switch after the Winnipeg game. Um, they were on the road to, to Columbus, and they win 4-1. Then they, they come back home, and they give up one goal to Vancouver and a 4-1 win. Like you said, the Tampa Bay game. Interesting note on that, uh, the, the Tampa Bay was on the dad's trip. So I think possibly after the Vegas game, they might have stayed around, had a, had a nice dinner, so so to speak, in Vegas before they went down to Arizona. And they only give up one goal to Tampa. And then Ottawa comes in, and they only give up one goal and a 5-1 win there. So in their winning streak, um, quick math, they're outscoring the opponents 20-4. to four. And then yeah. – well, Carolina last night, another one. Let's say twenty-four to, to uh, seven in their last five games. So I don't know how they flipped the switch, but it, it it does look like that the the young guys, like you said, are 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 getting comfortable after that after a slow start for sure. Where literally it was three nothing, one nothing, three nothing, two one. <laughs> literally couldn't score like you said and and now it seems like they're more comfortable and th- they're putting the puck in the net and they're getting great goaltending so um four, 14 points at this point is, is is way above what i thought the coyotes would be this year i i, I you know in the preseason show i I wasn't sold on the the finish that the Coyotes had. It's a whole lot different to play games in October and November than it is to play it when you're 20 games out of a playoff spot in February and March. So kudos kudos to Arizona right now. Um, 14 points in the in the Pacific Division. They're knocking on the door of a playoff spot. So let's uh, let's jump to the the bad surprise. So we'll give you two here. Give you two in the good. And we'll go L.A. and Florida. Let's start with your Kings first. Hmm. Obviously, 3-8-1. Uh, and one. They've almost been outscored 2-1. to one. They have, hmm. They've scored 24 goals in 12 games. And now they lose Jonathan Quick, who had his, uh, a minor, I guess, procedure on his minute. You know, you know what a minor operation is, by the way, the definition <laughs> of a minor operation? It's when it doesn't happen to you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but um, right. he, he's out three to six weeks, so hopefully for the Kings, it's closer to three weeks than six weeks. Um, this, is a, this is a dangerous time for them. You know, they, yeah, obviously the first step is to get back to 500. So they just need to kind of hold themselves, tread water a bit, maybe a little bit better by the time Quick comes back, which – Hopefully it will be six weeks. I mean, I don't think like I don't think they can play 500 for six weeks and then he comes back unless you go on a tremendous run. But the you know until Quick is back, it's a bit of a dangerous time for them. You've read a lot of rumors about them, and we'll get to them in the next segment about possible teams. Uh, you know, in the trade market, I've heard about the head coach. Could there be a change there? I've even I've read about Elaine Vigneault's name being rumored about. Yeah. Uh, this is your team, so I mean, give us a little breakdown here of kind of a, a little bit of a nervous, very nervous. I mean, if, if you know, if uh, if Vegas is a uh, is is, ner- is nervous time, then LA is 
you know, I don't want to say we're near panic time, but we're not for, we're not far away from hitting the red button. I'll I'll say they're panic time. Um, you're at the eighth pole and you have seven points, and I, I Kovalchuk's their leading scorer, so uh, I, I I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, with four goals, ten points. Dowdy's got eight points. Carter's got seven points. And then what I'm looking at right now is Kopitar with points so far, three goals to assist in 11 games. Last year he had... What about Toffoli? um, Toffoli's okay, seven points. He's... um, Okay. He's okay. I mean, you're, That's really I the, they're getting zero secondary scoring is what you're telling me. Yeah, Tafoli's got three goals. Um, it, it's basically Kovalchuk with four, Carter with three. You expect kind of those guys to lead the way. Tafoli with three, Kofi yep. with three, and then you know a couple guys with two, and then you've got. You know, it's the same number of guys with without without goals eleven with as as the Vegas Golden Knights do. And you know, I went I, I went on a little King's rant last week, and and I I don't see anything to change my mind when you're trying to change into a speed oriented team. And there's always even even when the Kings are, are 2014 Kings or whatever. It was always a 2.25 goals for and a 2.10 goals against. It was always going to be a 2-1 hockey game with the Kings. That's who they are. And if you want to change into a a speed game and you spent 10, 12 years building it up with big heavy forwards, um, relying probably way too much on Dowdy to carry carry the puck and, and set things up offensively. The guy, I mean, the guy's, been over 30 minutes two or three times and over 25 minutes a game um, almost every year. Um, You're not going to do that in one off season. I don't care if you bring in Ilya Kovalchuk. I don't care. I don't care if you bring in half, half the golden Knights and, and infuse that speed. It's a culture that's been 10 years, 15 years in the making in LA and they're trying to do it with, basically the same pieces except a, a lot a lot of young guys and they I don't think they have the horses to play the the speed game and I don't think they have it in their farm system I think for the Kings they ought to abandon that plan and go back to playing Kings hockey I think they would be better served playing 2-1 games than uh, losing seven to two to the New York Islanders, um, right. you you these guys are who they are, and and who they are is, is a, a big team, a heavy team. They wear you down on the forecheck. They get good defensive zone, solid positional play, great goaltending when quick is healthy, and they have to be opportunistic off the cycle or on the on the power play and beat you 2-1-3-2. And it, just because the rest of the league is doing something, Anaheim's been completely outspoken saying that they went through and are 
are using some of the Vegas Golden Knights schemes, especially on the power play. They've publicly said that. Um, it, flattery is the most sincere form of compliment or, or whatever. Um, I blew that quote, but you know what I mean. Imitation. Imitation is the yes. Thank you, sir. Um, it's not if you're losing games four to one, seven right. to two, five to one. You're not complimenting anybody. You're you're four to one, four to two, four to three, five to two, over and over again. Do is is and expecting a different result is, you know, insanity. They say that's two quotes I blew in less than two minutes, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, that's what I see. I, I I think if Stevens is going to be there and they're not going to make a change and they're not going to do a, maybe like you said for the OT segment, a, a shake up trade where you, where you remake your roster. Um, just forget about that game. Go back and play Kings hockey. Um, I'm not seeing Kings hockey this year and I don't care who's in net, whether it's Campbell quick boot or whatever. When a Kings team is giving up pretty good. He hasn't been bad, but he's been in net for four, 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 five against, seven against, five right. against. Um, I think that starts in front of Campbell. I, I, right. I think their 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 identity is in question right now, and I think for them to even make any kind of a, a run at all to pretend to be a playoff team right now, I think they scrap that whole speed game philosophy and go back to playing their game and be who they are. That's what I think they need to do. Well, that makes total sense. Um, and then finally, Florida, which touched upon, I think, last week or the week before. Killed them last year, and why they missed the playoffs by one point was a horrible first two, three months of the season. And they yep. are following that trend again. They're 3-5-3 three, yep. three, uh, uh, so far. Again, is this a common theme? What? What's killing them? No secondary scoring. Now they just got Luongo back. He he got hurt in I think the first game. Of, yeah, the first game of the year uh, when they played Tampa. Uh, mm-hmm. He just came back. Uh, but again, you know he's you know he's not in his salad days as they like to say there. So no, you I'm know, they expect him that. to play sixty. Yeah, you're expecting him to play sixty games a year. I think those days are are, are gone. So hopefully he can stay healthy. And get on a good stretch for them, but they're another, you know, they're another team, especially if one of these teams in the Atlantic, if if, if dealer's choice, right, Montreal or Buffalo, you know, one of those other teams is uh, a surprise this year. Uh, they're going to find themselves outside of the playoff picture. That's for sure. Yeah, and I've. I'm... I don't know what the deal is. I, I wish uh, Matt Pryor could come on and give us a little insight into the Panthers because they have a lot of talent on that team. Um, and and for them to be sitting at three and five with only nine points, I I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the problems are with Florida. Um, is is a forty year old goaltender really that big of a deal? Um, was there that much drop off um, to Optimus Rhyme between Luongo and him to where that would be the only problem with the Florida Panthers? I don't know. Um, I think there's too much on that team as as far as skill and talent for that 
to be the case. Um, so I, I think there's an it factor there with Florida that, that just isn't there. If you want to go intangibles or the, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if it's compete level or, or it or what have you, but I think that that roster is, is missing something that's going to compete here. Um, I don't, I don't know what it is with Florida. I really like their roster. I, I, I had them going to the playoffs this year in our preseason Atlantic uh, division, but I don't know. I don't know if there's enough compete on that team. And I know that's a harsh right, so critic. And I, and I know Florida fans no, no. are going to, going to email me, but I don't think if just because Luongo goes out that it should be as bad as it is, there's something else missing there. So let's jump to the OT segment and get a feel for the trade wins. And you might, one might say, well, wait a minute, it's a bit early, you know, to be talking about such things. Although I would remind everyone we're coming up on the one year anniversary three way Matthew Shane trade. Believe it or not, it was mm-hmm. last November 5th. So I don't think it is too early. And um, I don't either. You know, so why don't we start with Ottawa? Because I think it's pretty clear that. They're going to be moving on from Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne, who are pending UFAs, for a variety of reasons. And it's probably based on where their team is at. The best place for them is to get, is to garner as many future assets as they can uh, for them, both prospects and draft picks. And, you know, in two years' time, have this team come together. Although, got to give them kudos. I mean, they've been okay so far. They, you know, basically – you know, it's not like they have a, a stout uh, uh, roster and they're playing 500 hockey. And Thomas Shabbat, by the way, has been terrific. But um, I think they should take a page, at least a page out of Joe Sackick's book from last year. And that is Joe Sackick was kind of waiting for the right deal last year to pull that trigger. And when that opportunity came, he jumped through that window. And I kind of feel the same way with Ottawa about Stone and Duchesne. Am I saying that they have to trade Stone and Duchesne before Thanksgiving? No. But if the opportunity comes up December or right after the new year, or if they feel like the best bang for their buck is going to be a bidding war for their players dealing with prospects and picks for Stone and Duchesne with a number of teams with cup aspirations, and they can trade them off that way, so be it. But they got to be ready. So when that, when the fire is hot, they've they've done their due diligence and they're ready to roll. Not like, well, it's a little too early. Let's, you know, they got to be ready to roll. And, um, um, you know, of course, these guys could always get hurt, and that would kill them. Uh, so that's another another thing to consider. But, uh, you know, I don't know where Ottawa's at. But I would think that those guys would be in play uh, as long as you say, you know, put forth a, a pretty uh, solid package together. Is it, this is going to be a weird question? Is it possible that Ottawa can still win the, the Matt Duchesne trade, getting oh, enough? No, in, so. Can they get enough in return for? Can they look? Can they get what Colorado got for him? 
Well, what Colorado did, and again, I, you know, I, I like you said, I think Zankic for the first uh, 90% of that, for a lot of reasons, of that Duchesne situation, handled it poorly. But what he did, which was genius, was he got that third team and he got it to be a three-way deal. So, okay, you, you know, you guys get this and you, and you guys get that and I get this. And at the end of the day, he got access from two organizations. So instead of your two for one or three for one, right? I, I, I mean, he got like five assets. Um, I don't think a team dealing directly with Ottawa is not going to be able to get five assets uh, uh, for, for, for either one of those players. Now, keep in mind, too, at the time, all right, even though he got a multitude of assets, he didn't get a killer prospect in the in the deal. He got a nice, he got a number of nice prospects. He got oh god, that Russian winger. His name escapes me. And he got Sam Gerard. Yeah, oh thank you, sir. Uh, he got a yeah. first round pick, but at the time, Anna none three. of us really and th- a second. Right, okay, but at the time, none of us really thought like that first round pick had the potential to turn to gold. We thought <laughs> best case scenario is it's going to be a pick in the high team. So a lot 20. of things worked out. Right. Best case scenario. You yeah. Know. So um, I don't know. I really, I, I think you're looking at uh, can he get, can they get five or six assets? That's kind of where they're at for those two guys. When to strike. Um, I think also teams are going to be very leery Unless you're talking about teams like Nashville or teams like Tampa, where they know that their first-round picks are going to be in the high 20s, right? So um, they're going to be somewhere between 25 and 31. So it's going to be very hard to get somebody's first-round pick. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they can. I think they just at that point, you know, what's done is done, and they got to hope for the, they got to get the best deals that they can for these two players. Where do you see Matt Duchesne? One um, A, second line center, uh, t- spending I mean, time between someone's second and third line. You think it depends on what roster he lands on, where he would slot. Where do you see Matt Duchesne? Well, look, I mean, if a team's taking a cup run, that's a whole different set of encyclopedias. You're just trying to make your roster a lot better. So, I mean, to talk about an embarrassment of riches, if you had him, but you also want to put him with guys who, who are skilled players, because he's a skilled player himself. I've always said about Matt Duchesne uh, that he is an awesome second-line center, and I think while okay. people f- from afar, because he was the third overall pick, feel like, oh, if he's not a first-line center, then shame on him. Well, no, it doesn't always work out no. that way. No, uh, I agree. But, look, but I think, you know, look, it would not hurt Ottawa, okay, in terms of Stone and Duchesne, if one of these or multiple big teams were to lose a player to injury and all of a sudden, oh, my God, who's going to play? We need a second. We need a guy in our top six if you're Nashville or if you're Tampa or if you're, you know, Washington or if you're, you know, whoever or if you're Winnipeg. And let's go for the rental. And then they can get – they can extract – the best value that they can for those guys. So I think those two guys, I think teams running them, which you got to look at the big contenders for them, unless there's a team out there, like 
let's say the Islanders, who would love to get uh, a second, another top center. They lost Tavares, and you know they didn't really replace him. I mean, Brock Nelson's playing center; he's off to a good start, but he's really more of a winger than a center. I like to see him prove me wrong. But even you know, having said that, you know, then you're talking about a team who's going to trade futures. You know, you better darn well have a pretty much a deal in place to get him signed. You know, right after making the trade, if you will. So, yeah. and that's a complicated thing. So. I think we're looking at rentals for those guys. I think they have to put themselves in a position so when they, you know, they need a, to, to, to have that windows open, they're ready to roll, you know. And I think you're going to see a deal, uh, deals for these two guys that are going to be similar uh, to the Carlson deal. Uh, those I'm kind a, of, I, that kind of. I'm looking at this thing from Colorado's point of view right now. and They got Sam Gerard, Vladislav Kamenov, Andrew Hammond, Shane Bowers, Ottawa's first, Nashville's second, Ottawa's third, all in this year's draft, <laughs> basically trading Kyle Turris, or no, Ottawa, Ottawa, so Ottawa dumped Kyle Turris. So, right. For Ottawa to somehow pull seven assets out of Matthew Shane at this point, um, yeah. We've seen, like you just mentioned, the the Eric Carlson deal. We, I, I don't think they got as much as they wanted. I think they absolutely wanted Bobby Ryan to go in that deal, and they had an offer on the table from Vegas where they could have made that happen. And they were trying to play hardball, and and George McPhee moved on. Um, this is not good for Ottawa. <laughs> Captain yeah. Obvious over here. <laughs> You're not going to get a first. And I mean, and look at look at Colorado. If Kamenov can come up and you know next year or whatever, and and blossom into a, a second line. Um, and keep in mind, Shane Bowers was a first round pick a couple of years ago uh, What's by that? Ottawa. So Shane Bowers uh, was the first round pick in the 2017 draft. So he's no, I mean, he was more of those longer-term projection yeah. guys, longer-term meaning traditional three, four years versus what we're seeing now of one to two. So you had to wait a little bit longer for him. But he, you know, and again, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but he could be a real, real nice player for them. And his ceiling is kind of a top six guy. If not, I mean, a second-line guy. If not, he could be an awesome third-line guy. Um, so... Yeah, they did really, really well. And the other, the other team is, it certainly seems like there were, there's a lot of smoke, more and more smoke each day surrounding William Neilander. And it seems to me, reading yeah. the tea leaves, that we're at one point you feel like, well, sooner or later, a deal's going to get done. All these trade rumors, or you know, that just what they are, and 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 they're great to write articles about, and and all that, but and it's great to talk trade rumors, but at the end of the day, well, if I was a betting man, I mean, I would put it two to one that he's going to get he's going to get traded. That it's just, uh, I know Matthews is out a month, and they desperately could use some offense, but ironically, uh, they they got off to the great start. They still have a good record in eight and five, but I think they won their first four. Uh, all of a sudden, they you know they were scoring five six goals a game, first few games. Now they're having trouble scoring. Um, yeah, it certainly seems like Nylander is very much in play. And, 
and obviously the December 1st uh, date looming, if he's not signed with any team by December 1st, midnight December 1st, he can't play in the league this year. So um, something's going to have to give over the – yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if, if they trade him after December first, can he play with his new club? I don't think so. No, I think he has to be signed. I believe he has to be signed before December first. Okay. I think that's so yeah, that's, 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 I, that'll kill his his trade value too. Well, it's gonna. You know, it's gonna. It, it's the reason he's available. I think when you're that, he's a talented player, and he's he's a guy you would want to be one of your pieces to build around, and he's young, and all that stuff. And, you know, you, you know, usually for a player like that to become available in a trade, there are reasons, right? So yeah. I think if someone approaches this and says, this is an opportunity, this is an opportunity for me to get him, because no, under normal, oper, normal situations, or, no, or a normal situation, Toronto wouldn't dream about thinking about trade him. But due to the signing of John Tavares, due to the nature of where they are with the cap, due to the nature of having to get better defensively and now and moving forward, all those things, and given where they are at with contract talks, which is not even close, it seems, and and even if they can get them signed, you know, it's not going to work out long term. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I would be surprised that they're, it seems like they're doing – their due diligence, if they can find the right fit of a trade, which is easier said than done, because, again, what it, obviously they want talent back, talent that can help them now, but, again, why are the Leafs in this predicament with Nylander more so than any other reason? It's because of the structure of their cap. So they're not going to want to trade. So something, the assets they get back, they're not going to want to get a guy back who is going to just give them another cap headache? Oh, even case in point, let's say to, to today, win, a shovel day off of Winnipeg. For whatever reason, this is, this would never happen for obvious roster structures. But if you were to call Dubis in Toronto and said, "I will give you straight up Jacob Truba for uh, for Nylander. Now, from a hockey perspective. It makes all the sense in the world for Toronto to get a Jacob Trouba-like defenseman to put on their team. but and, and maybe they could make that work because it's a different position. But they're trying to get their cap in line because they're going to have to pay Matthews huge. They already paid Tavares huge. They're going to have to pay Marner a lot. So, you know, there's that angle of it as well. So uh, it will be interesting to see. And one of the teams you hear a lot is Carolina. Uh, very interested in the Lander, and uh, they have depth at defense to get a deal done. So um, that's that would be uh, an interesting, uh, uh, an interesting. I tell you, William Nylander, the Kings wouldn't be a terrible thing either. Um, right. Um, you know, and they have a piece you know, of Jake Muzzin that could make that. I deal was about happen. to say, could yeah. could Jake Muzzin and you know, let's say one of their first round picks from the last couple of years. Did that no. get a deal done? I'm not giving a from first a, with a guy. Toronto? Uh, from Toronto, yeah. I think if you give Muzzin and a first, oh, okay. I think Toronto would do that. I don't think the Kings No, no, no. I don't would... mean their first this year. Let's say, I don't think they would it... give up Gabe Velarde. Let's say the kid that they drafted in this past June. Or something, you know, something along the lines of some young talent, a young forward back. 
uh, with Muzzin. You know, I don't think Muzzin alone would do it. But, I mean, from a King well, they perspective, take yeah, and his three-year, $6 yeah, million dollar deal? I don't think so. And he can, just, play, he, he can just be Nylander? <laughs> well, here, here's the thing, yeah. and I wanted to ask you about this. When we were looking at the draft in uh, two years ago, before uh, before Marner actually came up and played, we were talking about those top five picks. And Nylander and Marner, structurally, uh, uh, body type, game type, were pretty similar players. Noah Hannafin was on the board. And I, I thought not, yeah. Noah Hannafin would have been a great pick. They, the defense is is what they needed. He's not going to be asking for eight million dollars um, anytime soon, but he would, I think, improve that blue line in Toronto oh, sure. right now. And you have this extra piece in Nylander, who, you know, you you brought in Marner. Fine, uh, I remember we were calling him Little Mitchy Marner. Um, and then when you, when you look at Toronto's pipes, pipeline, they had already taken Nylander, number, I believe number eight overall the year before. And then yep. it didn't, it didn't make sense to draft the same player as, as they had taken the year before in, in a Mitch Marner, but it made all the sense in the world to bring Noah Hannafin in and start a young, a young blue liner out with that core group. Um, that would have solved a lot of this problem. Everything you just said makes complete sense. The one thing I would say is the exception to that rule is unless you think Mourner, and I don't mean by, you know, inches, that you think Mourner is the better player. In that case, you gotta take, you always got to take the best player. And so far, it's early in their careers, but so far you would have to say that Mourner has been, been the better player. So I hear what you're saying, and I That's actually true. at the time, at the time I was on board, what you were thinking, thinking like I thought that they were be, being talked about as at the ter- time as they entered the draft as prospects, very similarly in terms of value that they should have taken Hannafin. Obviously, they felt different, and yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, no, this, this, there's there's work to be done uh, to straighten all this out, and um, uh, you know, again, and the the the, the pressure of all this, and I'm not trying to sound like, you know, the get off my Long Islander fan, you know, it all stems from them signing <laughs> Tavares. I, I mean, when people said to me this time last year, oh, Tavares, Toronto's going to sign Tavares, and I said to you, and you, you didn't appreciate it, and I was just saying as an example, I said, Toronto's going to eat John Tavares, and he drew Dowdy, you know, and I, that was my thing. You were correct. Of why would, yeah, that, well, why would they spend all this money on an area that, okay, yeah, it would be great if they got him. It would be great sentimental value. And, of course, he'll make the team better. But they, if they're going to spend make that kind of cap investment uh, over the next number of years, it's got to be for a defenseman like a Drew Doughty. Uh, I think you were right. If, if anybody uh, – yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I really do feel – I mean, it's not – I do feel pretty strongly that he's going to get moved this month. And uh, who knows, maybe next week we'll be talking about, just like we talked last early November about a huge trade with Matt Duchesne, we'll be talking about a huge trade with William Nylander. It will be a fascinating uh, discussion because it's intriguing to me what uh, Toronto is not – there's no Ryan Johansson, Seth Jones fit here for Columbus Uh and Nashville where – 
Nashville could trade a super-duper talent defenseman like a Seth Jones based on their roster and desperately needed a center like a Ryan Johansson. And those teams, you know, I mean, those situations come up few and far between. Uh, you comb the landscape of the NHL rosters. There's no team like that where, oh, well, wait a minute here. Uh, this Team X desperately needs Nylander, and they're loaded on defense, and they can afford to trade a young defenseman, just like Toronto can afford to trade a young offensive talent like William Nylander. Uh, that situation doesn't really exist. So they're going to have to do it a bit of a different way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening there. What else you got? Um, well, I guess that's a good way to to, to finish. We um, next week we have we'll bring we're we'll having Chris Wassel come back to the show, talk New Jersey Devils. Um, you know, in a little bit of a, a, a tough stretch right now. They started off the season on fire. They only won their right. first four games, and then since then they've lost four out of five probably one of the most overachieving teams the last couple of years. We'll, we'll get into deep dive with the Devils a bit and also get Chris's opinion on the Metro. Also, too, you know, you know what's gone under the radar is, you know, this Taylor Hall's a, a UFA at the end of the year, and, I mean, at least over here, I haven't heard really boo about a contract extension. Or where's right? that at? Yeah, yeah, it's been a little, you know, I'm sure, you know, that's going to be behind the scenes and all that, but that's, that's going to be an interesting story, so we'll touch base about that. And the week after that, we're going to have Lyle Richardson on. Um, and, again, kind of go deep into all the different trade rumors, the things that we talked about. There are some other scenarios we didn't get a chance to discuss, so we'll get into that with Lyle, and then we'll have our Thanksgiving break. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff coming up. And, um, you know, let's hope for uh, a nice win tonight because, like I said, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to predict – I'm not predicting any gloom or doom, but, you know, you could see how this can get that, you know, that trip next week. Uh, that's a tough trip. Is it too much to say they can miss the playoffs this week? Yeah, that's that's always too much to say, but it's hard Not though. By I a can lot. tell you from following, Not you know, by a lot. following my following my teams and just following teams in general. Uh, I remember we when we uh, when uh, it's been a while, but we had Matt Pryor on, and basically his data showed that by the first two months of the season that the teams that weren't in the playoffs, like 90% of the time they didn't make the playoffs. And, you know, a huge reason for that is is about, roughly speaking, um, a third of the games go to extra time, go to overtime, overtime or overtime and shootout, which means that about a third of the games are three-point games. So that means yeah. even when the teams you're trying to catch lose, they still get a point. And – you know, you don't want to. You don't want to be in that hole. Uh, you don't want to be in, at Thanksgiving, and you need a five-game winning streak just to get to 500. Um, no. That's a very. That's, that's not a saying. spot they want to be in. So tonight's a big game, and hopefully they can get a win, and and then you know at least get four points on the four-game road trip. You know, maybe they catch in Toronto at a good time. Obviously, no Matthews. Uh, I probably no. I no Nylander. Um huh. I can't imagine even if he's signed tomorrow, he'd be in the game on Tuesday. Although who knows? Uh, you know, Montreal's been a team that's been a surprise team. Brendan Gallagher, nine goals. My God. Uh, yeah. uh You know, Ottawa. You know, that's a game. 
not for nothing, that they should win, and then Boston to finish the trip. So, I mean, if you look at it this way, win the Ottawa game and win one of the three of the other games, should be able to go 500 on the trip. Now, well, last year the big the big stat in town was uh, of of the teams in playoff position at Thanksgiving weekend, 85% go on to make the playoffs. So that means like 2.5 yeah, teams go. out of that 16 slip and 2.5 teams on the average jump up into the spot after Thanksgiving. Basically, 14 out of 16 teams uh, in the playoff position in Thanksgiving um, go on and make the playoffs. So if this week goes poorly for the Golden Knights, then in the next week is – let me look it up real quick before we go here. I, I believe the next week after a home game or, or a couple home games mixed in, they do the uh, – yeah, okay. So next week will be Anaheim-St. Louis at home, and then you go back to Canada, Edmonton-Calgary, and then Arizona – you're playing five games in seven days before you get to yeah. Thanksgiving. So if you don't make some hay in the next two weeks, then it could be missed the playoffs time in November. I'm still marking that Edmonton game um, when when Nate Schmidt is due back as a 20-point benchmark. If they can get to 20, I think they still have a playoff shot. If they're 16, 17 points after after that 20 games – I think they've got a long, long way to go. And let me say one thing based on what you just said about that schedule. I don't care if you're the most talented team in the league by a country mile. If you're playing five games in seven days, it is very hard to put it together a, a streak of going, let's say, four and one. I mean, to me, if yeah. you're playing five games in seven days, and I don't care if you're the top team and you're playing, you know, teams that are non-playoff teams, um, if you go three matter. and two, you sh- you should be very. Ha- I mean, look. Well, let's yeah. take some point. Tampa goes to Vegas, right? And you think, well, that's a tough game, and they win a one goal game tonight, seven one. I mean, you're telling right. me that scheduling did, wasn't a hindrance uh, and part of uh, the reason uh, that they lost that game seven one that they weren't even in the game. So uh, you here's know, that's, another that's thing, a, Chris. A, yeah, all five of those games are division opponents. Edmonton, Calgary, Arizona, Calgary, San Jose. That's the season. I'm going to say it right now. That's the season. If they can't get out of the, and you're playing Saturday Sunday or you're playing Sunday Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Friday Saturday. Um two back-to-backs, three games and four nights twice, all division opponents. Um I'll tell you right now, Chris, that's the week that Nate Schmidt comes back. That's the season for the Golden Knights after the start they've had and the hole that they're in. If they can't, like you said, get out of this road trip, um, including let's count tonight as well, um, they're going to need five points between tonight and next Sunday with Boston. Um, Then you're home with Anaheim-St. Louis with a couple days rest after that road trip starting Wednesday, Anaheim-St. Louis. Um, and then that that stretch. I, feel that good, I, good. I, feel I think that's good the about season. the Knights, given all the givens and where they're at right now, is after that whole stretch that we just outlined there, after that five and seven with the divisional opponents, if they were at 500 at that point, and then, they, and then getting everyone back at that point, and yep. having Schmidt back, and having Patrick Durati back, and, and Stastny being close to being back, uh, hope knock on wood, 
Yep. I would feel like I would sign up for that I, if I, I was a, I, a Knights fan. Right now in this position, I, I think you'd take that, right? Right. I would think so. And then, like well, you said, they have all these home weeks. games coming. Three three weeks, we'll, uh, we'll know a lot more about who this Golden Knights team is. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. So, all right, all right well, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Vegas Hockey Pod. Uh, make sure you follow Chris on Twitter at the NL King for all of his Islanders content. I think I, uh, I, I puked on myself mentioning another website. He writes for Ion Isles FS now, not the other guys. So we, I'll make sure I clear that up for you, Chris. Um, he, he puts out a lot of Islanders content, and it's all really quality stuff. So if, if you're Islanders Nation, make sure you follow Chris at the NL King on Twitter and go to Ion Isles FS for, for all of his content. And we, you could get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, SoundCloud, anywhere anywhere you can find podcasts, you can get us. So that's that's going to do it for this week. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone.